Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps—you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Homer and Apple Sources minor league podcast. I am Steve Seiper, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Lajos, Ken Levin, and Thomas Henderson. How's everybody doing uh, in the wake of that very excellent Mets game? Oh, so exciting. Uh, is Brandon Belt like a Met killer? Feels like he is. He feels like it. I have like, no... No numbers to back up my gut feel here. Because it always felt like every dumb West Coast game involving the Giants involved Brandon Belt doing something. Like, all of them. Do we ever start Sanger on five days rest again? Yes. Do we have to? Yeah. Do we have to? Yeah. I, I don't... A, you have to. B... I think this needs to happen more than once to actually draw the conclusion that it's because of the rest. C, the Blue Jays are quite good. They like, are. Their um, offense is very good. There is no shame losing to them. I, yeah. What are and, they in second place? Third? I mean, that's, a, that's that division, the whole division. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> that's, a, that's a different story. Like, they're in, they're in a, that division in a league of its own, really, but... I mean, Senga didn't look great, but also he didn't look great in the same ways that sometimes he just hasn't looked great on re- on his other rest. Like, he's wild, and that was in the scouting report, and he sometimes will 
be hittable, and that was in the scouting report, and that's what happens, and that's why he's not a one or two, he's a three right now. Yep, yep, very true. I still think he's good. I mean, for what he is, certainly. Like you said, he's he's a mid-rotation pitcher who's, you know, on the better side of that spectrum than on the worst side. Would you yeah, want him as your opening day starter, your number one? No, but for what he is, he's good. And, like, his ceiling is very high, I think. Like, his in-game ceiling. Mm-hmm. Like, most threes in the league are not going to do what he did last outing. But also, he's sometimes going to have a clunker. You just got to... At the end of the year, I'm sure it'll be way much way much more good than it was bad. So I'm not too concerned about it. It's just it kind of is what it is. And all these games are heightened because they're 500 in June. Yep. Just like we planned it. <laughs> All right. Um, extend, promote, extend trade. And on this date, back in 1956, Elvis performed uh, Hound Dog on the Milton Berle show, and he did. I don't. I don't know what to call it. He did the Elvis dance, and you know that caused a ruckus with very suggestive hip movements and gyrations and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And his dancing is very unconventional for the time for the uh, stuffy white audience that saw it. So what unconventional batting stances are we going to promote, extend, or trade here? I, I had no idea where you were going with that one. <laughs> what hip good. movements do you promote, extend, or trade? <laughs> All right. So first up we have, and you probably would want to you know, get some pictures or whatever here if you're not familiar, because my descriptions here may, might not be the best. So first we have Tony Batista, um, you know, kind of a journeyman in the mid to late 80s to 90s or whatever, but basically he stood so open that his front leg was like basically facing the third baseman and he crouched towards the plate so his ass was sticking out and he just looked weird. I mean, that's not even like an interesting... When you said open stance, like Carl Crawford had a cool open stance. Uh, Oh, God. I hate that this is the name I'm thinking of. The guy's an asshole, obviously, but Odubel Herrera had a cool batting stance that was open. This guy looks like a sub-geriatric grandpa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it real weird. It is real weird, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of geriatric grandpas, next oh, is no. Julio Julio Franco. He had his knees knocked. He had his hands high over his head. He had the bat pointed towards the pitcher. It was just weird. And last up probably the most comfortable of all these is Jeff Bagwell. And he had his legs super wide apart. He was like crouched down, practically like sitting on the ground, squatting. That one I know it's, it's a weird one. Mm -hmm. I feel like Gary Sheffield is being shafted here. I mean, Gary Sheffield was, I actually had Gary Sheffield in the list at the beginning, but it's just the bat movement that's weird. I mean, him sure. just kind of standing at the plate is kind of normal. Because I, I feel like it's like a thing that every kid did or tried to do yeah. growing up is do the, the the Gary Sheffield thing. And then you're like, damn, this guy's strong. Like, he's mm-hmm. swinging this bat around. <laughs> Wiggling my wiffle ball bat. And I feel like, yeah. oh, well, this and is like, this. oh, my shoulders hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm using doing this with a real bat now. And I want to die. I see. Oh. Steroids will help you out with that. Uh, all I know is I'm I'm trading Tony Batista's here. This this one is 
It's, it's just too not, ridiculous. It, it it doesn't look good. Like if you're gonna do a weird batting stance, make it look cool. Yeah, <laughs> he just looks dumb. I mean, I don't we... understand how he like did that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like at least with Bagwell's, like it was weird, but he was just a crouched guy, and then it's him like kind of using his body to like explode onto whatever. It is what it is. But like, who, who taught him that? What? Who? who I just don't understand because it's it sticks in my head. I I remember it as soon as you said his name, but I was like, who in the world is gonna see that? And be like, yeah, keep doing that one, bud. Like, mm-hmm. don't don't change that. You know what I mean? Like, Kevin Euclid had a weird batting stance, or like Craig Council did, but you could kind of understand what they were doing. But that one is just like beyond all that. Yeah. And it worked. I mean, he made it to the major leagues. I'm not going to say that it didn't work for him. It obviously did. It's just I don't understand. Mm, well, it probably wouldn't work today. But at the same time, it would definitely have been coached out of him today. Oh, for sure. Except if he was with the Mets, which we'll talk about that a little later. But <sighs> Deep sigh. Yeah. All right, so Tony Batista is gone. Now it's between Bagwell and Julio Franco. God, how did you pick? I think it's Bagwell. Yeah, I, I would keep Bagwell. Because like you said before, Thomas, it, it, he's just kind of squatting very low. It's still an otherwise normal or good you know, mechanics. Whereas Julio Franco, it's just like, what the hell is going on? And that's another one, the Bagra one, that I feel like people grew up doing or like trying to do. And then obviously you're like, how, do, how does this man, this man has the strongest legs in the history of America. <laughs> Quads are amazing. Yeah, like, geez. Um, yeah, I guess I'm there too. You managed to pick, like, three stances, or three dudes that all have weird stances, but they're ugly. They're all ugly. <laughs> As in facial appearance, or... No, 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 the stances <laughs> themselves. I, I make no I make no commentary Jeez. about their, uh, their actual physical appearance. <laughs> well, I mean... What is an odd one that that is aesthetically pleasing? I guess Griffey. His sure. wasn't really so. His wasn't Bonds? really odd though. Bonds. Because Bonds kind of, did the same waggle. He, Sheffield, yeah, like a Sheffield. He never really stopped. It was just kind of he'd go through the waggle and then the swing would start. Carl Crawford. Crawford. What a weird one. Rod Carew had a weird one. Was Rod Carew the one he just kind of basically stood there? He like, didn't, like, load. He didn't take a flat, step back. Like, he, like yeah. he, he held the bat, like, flat across. So there was, so he would just already be down. So yep. he wouldn't have to, like, yeah. It was probably for, like, speed, for, like, hitting velocity and stuff. But that was always a weird one. Weird in, like, a small way. Mm-hmm. Um... And, of course, you have back in, like, the Dead Bull era and stuff, you'd have, like, the extremely hunched over, kind of very closed up guys, but you don't see that much anymore. I feel like that's something that we're losing with modern coaching is the truly weird stuff. 
everyone like everyone has different batting stances and of course and they're all unique but there's kind of like a basis of normalcy to all of them that's kind of i don't want to say boring but like jeff mcneil looks unique in today's game and he's just kind of crouched over you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like his stances like bryce harper is kind of crouched over and a little weird you know I guess yeah, it, it's, it's Harper. It's Harper's stuff. swing itself. Yeah, that's weird. Like I guess the, it's more the follow through and the swing than his stance itself. Yeah. <clears throat> Which I I love Bryce Harper's swing. But big big shock. Bryce Harper has a nice swing. No, I don't think I don't think it, I don't think scouts would describe it as like traditionally pleasing. It's violent. I like like the, the violence of his swing is really yeah. like pleasing to me. You can very much tell he is trying to literally murder the baseball mm-hmm. that's what i think of when i think of the bond swing is the follow-through and just the violence of that yeah there's really nobody i would say that has like a particularly you know mcneil or harper but they're still kind of semi-orthodox mm-hmm. there's nobody that has you know <laughs> nobody's going to be bringing back the tony batista anytime soon and even like Eucalyptus and Craig Council, like I said before, like those guys, those stances were weird and that would be gone. Like no mm-hmm. one would do shit like that anymore. It would get coached that when you're 12. Yeah. When you're playing like perfect game U12 teams. They're going to coach that shit out. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of boring. I get it, but it's also boring. Thanks, Manfred. <laughs> All right, um, so we will move on now to our way too early draft updates. And my guy, my, my guy called Greg, his season is done. Lucas, Colton Ledbetter, his season is done. Thomas, Rockalaski, his season is done. So it's just uh, Ken's pick, Johandi Morales. Uh, so Johandi Morales played four games uh, since last week's show, one against Clemson, one against Maine, one against Texas, and one uh, against Louisiana. So pretty good teams, and he went eight for 16 with three homers and two walks against one strikeout. Uh, so on the week, he hit 500, 556. Uh, 1063, and uh, walked almost twice as much as he struck out. Mm, that seems good. That does seem good. Uh, that brings his total to the season to 413, 480, Struck out about 19% of the time, walked about 11% of the time, and uh, hit 19 homers and 13 doubles. Very, very good season. It's the ACC, but that's still a pretty good level of competition. Um, yeah, you can't ask for much more. Is Miami going to be – how much longer is their season continuing? Uh, they play Texas a little later today. They played mm-hmm. a doubleheader. Uh, I guess it's the, the group stages, so the regions. Right, right, right. Um, so they've won the first two games. They've won two games of group play and lost one. So I think they would potentially move on if they win. Right, right, right. Um, so, yeah, he's got a chance for a few more games. Um, I mean, college baseball is running through about the end of the month, and it 
seems like uh, they have a pretty good shot to, you know, go deep into the tournament. Mm. Two things. One, this is a podcast that's full of all kinds of distractions. Is that a new distraction I hear in the background? It is, yes. He uh, does not like other dogs and is not used to uh, apartment <laughs> living. <laughs> so, yeah, Jackson's uh, in the other room. <laughs> screaming bloody murder. <laughs> he, has, he has thoughts on the Mets draft processes. Yeah, he's voicing his opinion on today on the 2023 Mets, uh, and he's not a fan. It and he's like. saying woof, and I agree. Well, you know, you know. So, I, you know how the World Cup had like an octopus that like correctly picked all of the uh, all of the, the winners or whatever it was. Yeah. Oh, yeah maybe yeah, your yeah. maybe can maybe your dog your new dog can. That's gonna be our gimmick. Yeah. I We're mean, gonna have Jackson. All right. So I'll ask him who wins the College book. World Series and I'll report back <laughs> for gambling purposes. So. Yes, please, please. The dog might make better uh, managerial decisions than Buck Walter. So. It's true. So it's okay. Very smart so that, dog. That was the actually I have three things. So that was the first thing. Second thing is, um, since we've been doing this in February, I guess I've been calling him Johan Dri with an R. I just now <laughs> realized it's Johan D no R. That's funny. I feel okay. <laughs> yeah, geez. And third thing now, speaking of Morales, um, we're getting reports that the Mets are showing a lot of interest in him. A uh, recent mm-hmm. mock draft that ESPN did, Kylie McDaniels, he had the Mets selecting Morales with a 30-second pick. Um, MLB.com had the same thing. Kylie said in his article that he's heard from multiple sources that the Mets are really in on Morales. So how are we feeling about that? Um, it will be another cap, uh, another feather in our cap, because Lucas, you had the Mets picking Beatty in 2019. Thomas, you had the Mets picking Pete Armstrong in 2020. Um, you know, Ken, if you if you get this one, that will be three of the four of us. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I would, of course, be thrilled. I think he's um, I think that's ec- excellent value at the end of the first round. Um, again, I've always just believed he can hit. So. I mean, I, I would be very surprised if if he makes it that far down, not saying like Kylie is full of shit or anything like that. I'm just saying like. I I would I I don't see why those other teams would pass up on him. I know that Thomas and Lucas, you aren't as enthused about Morales. I think he's a divisive prospect. Yeah, yeah. It's a big thing. Yeah, it comes down to do you think he's going to hit enough? Uh, do you think he's going to make enough contact? And, and I don't know. Like I just don't know. It's, no one knows. It's, 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 I'm, I'm willing to bet on the bat to ball and that it's not really pit, pitch recognition. He's just very aggressive um, because he's like the best player on the field. Uh, you know. Yeah, we don't really know how he's going to be when he's not the best player on the field. Like we saw that. I think about Ahmed Rosario a lot with this stuff when he was he was such a good prospect because he made all this contact, but he had all these pitch recognition problems that never showed up because he was so much better than the guys he was facing that he just hit the first pitch any or the second. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't matter that he had in the minors. It didn't matter that he had these issues. And I'm not saying he's the same prospect because it's not at all. He's closer to a Mark Vientos than anything else. But 
like if he could hit and he could stick at third base and it's very good value and late first round picks are always going to be boring it's baseball it's not football where these guys are going to be huge huge impact guys right away if they make a jump it's because the Mets had them had him make a jump or he got the jump from somewhere else like Pete Alonso so you never know yeah i mean you can't teach power He's that's the that. stuff that you like like yeah. you see it and you're like oh i could see why you would like him i i could see why you would see him as a thing to mold because you can't teach that stuff but then, yeah, I don't think that's th- true, though. I think we've seen in recent years that you can, to an extent, teach power. Like to an extent, to an but, extent. But I mean, if a, how will, he he's like six foot three, two ten, two twenty. He does he, not strike me as someone who is his his power feels extraordinarily college hitter to me in that hmm. it's length and strength. And that shit usually doesn't translate super well. Like it does sometimes. Tyler Lockley looks so really good. What I'm gonna say is uh like um I wouldn't describe him as length and strength. He's he's like uh yeah, pure human strength. <laughs> like uh it's not like a Mark Viento swing. Uh, it's much more more fluid than that, and uh, yeah. Well, I think we can all agree, whether you're pro or less enthusiastic, that obviously the Mets, you know, would need to mold him a little bit. And again, as we're going to touch on in a little bit, I don't know if that's something the Mets are capable of doing right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, let's go over the Mets affiliates. Um, we have to. <laughs> yeah, we do. Unfortunately, the teams themselves—it's whatever. But there's been some notable <laughs> stuff player-wise, I guess. The minor league podcast show. Do we have to talk about the Mets minor league? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. Syracuse Mets—they played a series against the Rochester Red Wings, uh, the Nationals AAA team. They went two and four. They lost every game during the week, and then they won both of the weekend games. So they are 22 and 35 on the season, and they are 18 games behind the Norfolk Tides, which is pretty impressive. Um, I want to mention it since it's relevant that this is the first time that the Syracuse Mets have played a team that they've played for already. Uh, they played Rochester at the beginning of the year. They won five or six games back in the halcyon days when Syracuse was good, and they had, you know, all of the Mets' top prospects on the team. But the reason that's relevant is because one of the publicly stated reasons why the Mets have not called up Ron Mauricio, regardless of the truth of that or not, is that they wanted to see how he would react against pitchers that either he's faced already or against teams that you know have seen him and they have the AAA equivalent of, of a book against him. Um, in that first series, Ronnie went, 8 for 20 with a double, a triple, three home runs, two walks, and three strikeouts. And in this series now, he went 7 for 29 with a double and a homer, no walks, and eight strikeouts. So there is a pretty noticeable difference first time and second time. You do have to take into account, though, he is slowing down a bit um, in that Louisville Bats 
series, which is the one right before this one. He hit 286, 400, 333, which is a bad week for him, you know, in the context of, of the start that he's gotten off to. So maybe he's just kind of coming back to earth a little bit, you know, can't keep up that insane pace that he, he was putting up, which is understandable. Or maybe there is something to, you know, facing um, a team that you've seen already for a second time. And also relevant is we have to mention that Ronnie left today's game Sunday with an injury. Uh, I was watching. I don't think it's anything serious. He was basically covering for um, he was covering second base when a Rochester player tried stealing and there was a collision and, you know, it wasn't horrific. It didn't look bad. His his leg didn't look mangled. It wasn't backwards. Nothing like that. He left on his own power. He didn't look too shaken up by it. So I don't think it's going to be anything serious. Joel Sherman said it was a sprained ankle. I don't know if you saw that. No, I did not see that. But yeah, he tweeted it. Um, because I thought it was like an arm thing. Because no, no. It, for for what people for people who didn't see it, it was like on a on a tag. So I thought his like arm got bent back. So no, he got like he slid him, into his leg. Yeah, yeah. yeah and Joel yeah. Sherman said it was a sprained ankle, which isn't that big of a deal. Yeah, I mean, he he didn't he he was walking. He didn't really. I mean, the camera footage, you know, only showed him for however long, but he didn't like appear to be limping. He wasn't like wincing. Obviously, he was walking. So, you know, they have they have tomorrow off. You know, Monday um, before they face the Iron Pigs in their series next week. So, I wouldn't be surprised if he's he's back playing on Tuesday. You know, get get a day off, get a breather. But yeah, um, hopefully that's not really anything serious, and hopefully he doesn't start like coming back to earth. This would be a bad time to start coming back down to earth. Trade deadline in about a month, if the Mets are looking to go that way. Yeah, I mean the crummiest thing is, given the current state of the Mets, I don't really want them to buy, but I would also like them to sell high on Mauricio. So. Buy something with control with Mauricio, yeah, I guess. I, I think that's what they would try to do. Um, I don't think they're going to do many rentals unless it's like for nothing. Which, if if you want to go get some, if you think you buy guys with control who could really help, and then some team runs along and is like, we will give you uh, an older, fine reliever for like nothing, then sure, I don't really care. But if you're going to do anything serious, I hope the person has control for next year. Because also, like, free agency just kind of sucks now. Everyone locks up all their good players forever. So, guys don't really become free agents. Also relevant to, you know, what's going to, what his future is going to be, is the Mets have played him a little bit in left field. I mean, to me, that suggests that they're looking to keep him long-term, or at least past the trade deadline and possibly see what he can do next year. Yeah, to call him up. Or even this year. Or even this year, yeah. Because if it keeps going the way it's going for Vientos, where he looks lost, mm-hmm. like there's no reason for um, <clears throat> there's no reason for Mauricio to not be up in his stead because he could. I mean, Lindor needs a day off and there's not a backup shortstop on the roster. And I'm not saying Mauricio is the best shortstop in the world, but he would easily unless you're calling up Giorme again, he would easily be the second best shortstop on the roster. So. Not yet. You're not confident in Eduardo Escobar's ability to play the six. Mm, not anymore. Maybe, <laughs> maybe uh, a young Fogo 
I would have uh, liked to. I would have pre Fogo Fogo. <laughs> but now, look, he's been a lot better recently, and I'm happy for him. And he seems like a good guy. But I don't want him playing shortstop. Like honestly, I'd probably put McNeil there before him, even now. But still, like you, that's not a real option. You know, that's just not a thing you could feasibly do. So calling him Mauricio, and I don't know, letting him DH sometimes or letting him be the backup at a bunch of positions, whatever. I don't think he's going to be a starter, but I don't think the Mets think he is either. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing this. They would just be sticking him at one position. So we'll see. There's there's one other guy I could think of on the roster, the Mets on the Mets roster that has shortstop experience. Let's bring him back to the position he was drafted at. Mark Viento, <laughs> shortstop. Oh, oh God. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be interesting. And that would basically be like for it. that would basically be Wilmer Flores at short again, part two. A younger Lucas thought Will Flores was fine at short. <sighs> All right. Um. Next up are the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, and they played the Altoona Curve, the Pittsburgh Pirates AA affiliate, and they went one and five. So they are 23 and 27 on the season now, eight and a half games behind the Portland Sea Dogs in the Eastern League Northeast. Um, the only bright spot here, I guess, is that Mike Vazel, he missed a week from some kind of undisclosed hand injury of some kind, but he took the mound on Sunday and he looked good. Uh, he pitched five solid innings. He gave up one hit, a home run, but he otherwise, you know, he, he looked good. Just that one hit. He didn't walk anyone. Six strikeouts. So, you know, one of the few bright spots that we have in the upper minors right now. Nothing else really relevant from that Binghamton series. Brooklyn Cyclones, they played the Jersey Shore Blue Claws, the Phillies high A affiliate. They went three and five. They had two doubleheaders this week um, from games that were postponed early in the year. So Brooklyn is now 22 and 28 on the year. And it sucks because, like, a week ago, Brooklyn was basically, like, at 500 before the series. And now they're six games under. So with the way that this team has been playing, six games under 500 is, you know, feels like 16 games under 500. Um, They're in last place in the South Atlantic League North, obviously. Weirdly, though, they they are in last place, but they're just six and a half games out of first. So I'm not saying that they have a chance, but, you know, they're not necessarily out of it either. But if I was a betting man, I would not take those odds. They're not great. No. Um, so I went to a couple of those games, and I came away very unimpressed with all three of the marquee names on the team. Blade Tidwell, Kevin Prada, and Alex Ramirez. I didn't see Tidwell, but, you know, basically it's just more of the same. He's laboring. He's not pitching deep into games. He's walking the entire world. Not, not, not good. Um, Ramirez and Prada, you know, they're not performing particularly great. And I don't know why the Mets are not being more proactive. Um, I remember last year in an interview, some Mets player development guy, he said something along of something along the lines of, um, in regards to Alex Ramirez and the kind of weird 
mechanics that he has at the plate and they said they said something like we don't know if this is going to be like a signature look for Alex Ramirez going forward or if it's something that he's going to need to change I think at this point it's very clearly something that he needs to change you know he he did decent in the Florida State League last year he got promoted to Brooklyn and he was like okay in Brooklyn and he's repeating in Brooklyn and and he's taken a step back in terms of basically like everything. Mm-hmm. And, and at what point did they gonna say, like, okay, we need to start like doing something? And Kevin Prada, same thing. I think it's even worse with him. Um, well what do they do? What are this what is the coach and staff up to down in Brooklyn is is my question. Are they like just hanging out in a corner, drinking some buds and just telling everyone to go out and play? Like is is that it? It might be. I mean, honestly, I'm not even I don't even know who is on the the coaching staff down there. I don't think it's anybody like name brand. <laughs> I mean, Chris Newell is the manager. Um, Rich Bennis is the hitting coach. Victor Ramos is the pitching coach. And John Vaughn is the bench coach. And Juan Loyo, who was a catcher in the system like a couple of years ago, he's the player development coach. Uh, you know, it, none of those guys stand out for any past accolades or anything like that. So I don't know what's happening down there. But, yeah, I, I'm just, uh, I have no faith. I have mo- a little bit more faith in Alex Ramirez's swing than I do in Kevin Parada's, but Kevin Parada's just looks a lot worse. Like, I don't it's, know what it is. It's just that the setup is atrocious. Yeah, like, and, and I think that's screwing him up as he's going into his, as he's going into his, his swing and everything. I could not imagine timing anything with the way he does it. And I understand that it worked in college, but like this is a different ball game. And this is like he should be killing this competition. And I know Brooklyn, it's a terrible place to hit and da 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 and it's not none of that's wrong, but when you look at it it's like ooh. Yeah, and I, he he's not a catcher. Like I I I just take, move him now. Stop having him catch. He can't do. It. <laughs> like it's just a waste of everyone's time. He can't do it. Maybe he will figure it out, but do you really want to take that risk when you could just put him at like left field or something or second base? Like Neil Walker did that. Craig Biggio did that. I forgot that Neil Walker was a catcher. Yeah, like he's not an unathletic guy. Second base, you don't need to be the fastest guy in the world to play it. You can put him in left field, but he's awful back there. If Ryan Domit can do it, anyone can do it. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I don't want him to do it. <laughs> also, what is your definition of do it? Ryan do it certainly uh, crouched behind the plate. Whether he played catcher or not is a different it's an story. Open, open he discussion. Did something. <laughs> he was back like, there. Yeah, like. Uh... And, and yeah, I mean, to their, I mean, I don't want to say to their credit, but it is, we're only talking about literally two months, you know, into the season. And, you know, I don't know. I, I just feel like two months into the season, you have a top international prospect 
and a top domestic drafted prospect basically struggling. A lot of weak contact, a lot of bad contact. It's the kind of thing that it just seems like they're a couple of milliseconds late on every swing. Yeah. Which is why there's a lot of, you know, just kind of weak fly balls or kind of and ground balls. But and it just seems like such an obvious thing. If you're a couple of milliseconds late, these guys both have kind of weird mm-hmm. hand setups before their their loads and swings. Like just adjust that and see if if that does the trick. Yeah, it's bizarre. And like maybe maybe they don't want to be it's a bunch of new coaches in the room or in the building rather and they don't want to be super aggressive right away. I don't know, but just change something, man. Just do it. Mhm. So, that's going on in Brooklyn. And St. Lucie Mets they play the Fort Myers Mighty Muscles, the Minnesota Single A affiliate. And they split the series, which is good because, you know, given the St. Lucie season, winning any game is good, I guess. So with uh, three and three week, they are now 16 and 43 on the year. They're they're ahead of the Oakland A's. So that's the most important thing. Um, (laughs) But they are 13 and a half games behind the Palm Beach Cardinals in first place. Um, They are the worst team in the Florida State League, obviously. Uh, Imagine if they weren't. Yeah, that would be that would be something. Uh, they have a negative 63 run dif- differential. They've scored the fewest runs out of all 10 teams. They've allowed I don't know how this is even possible, but they've allowed only the third most runs. But they're actually if if they allow one more run, then they're they're tied for second most. But still, I, I don't understand how anybody has allowed they're, more runs than them. They're they're coming for first place, boys. <laughs> That's yeah. Bizarro world first place, baby. <laughs> but yeah, um, St. Lucie is just not good. And, you know, the, the Dominican Summer League is starting today, Monday. Um, the Florida Complex League starts in like two weeks, whatever it is. So maybe... We see some some new names, maybe lights and fire under guys that are there. Already. I don't know, but maybe things get better in the uh, next couple of weeks of St. Lucie. Probably not, but maybe. We could always dream. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, so the month of May is done and over, and we're just going to Take a look now at the top prospect list and, you know, give everyone some grades and evaluate uh, the performance of everybody based on how they did in the month of May. So we'll start at the top with Francisco Alvarez. Um, he spent the entire month of May with the Mets. He played 22 games. He's hit 292, 363, 667, seven home runs. He's looking good as a catcher. He's getting a a a plus 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 plus. You know this is this is the best case scenario. He's looking like borderline elite as a catcher, which is yeah. crazy. Like, where did that come from? He always had it in him. Yeah, apparently. I mean, and I and I think I was less skeptical of on his defense than than everyone else, but I thought he'd be like. I'm struggling to find an example of an okay defensive catcher. Ryan Domit. Uh No, <laughs> not Ryan Domit. <laughs> I don't know. I thought he'd get to, like, league average. I didn't – I was not concerned about his ability to get to league average, and now suddenly he's, like, the best – one of the best framers in baseball? Okay. Cool. He's also yeah. really good with balls in the dirt and stuff, mm-hmm. which isn't – I don't know if there's a stat for that, but just watching him, like, his – the way he does it is very he he does it perfectly every time. Like you could see the difference when you when Sanchez played like five games for the Mets, but it's a world of difference. All right, next is our number two prospect, Kodaisenga. Um, in the month of May, he pitched five games. He threw twenty nine innings and he had a two seventy nine ERA with eight uh, excuse me with thirteen walks and thirty eight strikeouts. And his month of May does not include his kind of pretty bad start today as we're recording, so we can ignore that. And I think Senga has is, you know, also getting an A. You really can't ask for more than he has than he's done. Again, not including this stinker. Yep. Maybe he gets a maybe he gets a B plus because the walks. I mean, thirteen. He's a he's a new person in the in the country and adapting to all this new stuff, and he's been fine. Yeah, at at points very good, so I'm fine with it. As we were saying before the we started recording, like you know, for for what he is, you know, a a mid rotation starter who kind of has more potential to be on the good side of that spectrum than the bad side. You know, 
anything you're getting is is you know gravy. Anything truly, really, really elite or whatever is you know gravy. And at times he's flashed that. Next up is our number three prospect, Brett Beatty. He spent the entire month of May at the on the Mets roster. 26 games. He's hitting 207, 286, 356, with four doubles, three home runs, nine walks, and 20 strikeouts. Uh, not not great. This is disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's anything to like worry about necessarily, but not great either. He looks like. He he figured out major league pitching, and then major league pitching figured him out, and now he has to he has to react to that. I mean, it's going to happen to everyone. Alvarez was just terrible this weekend, and he was over the series, I think. And <clears throat> it's going to happen to other rookies. It like I know it's a different level of prospect, but James Outman was real good, and then he's been terrible for like a month. Like it's going to happen to young guys because the league is just better than what you've ever faced. So baby's just got to refigure it out. Put it put it perfectly. Number four prospect, uh, Kevin Parada. His May, he appeared in 25 games. He hit 269, 352, 452, with nine doubles, one triple, two home runs, seven walks, and 27 strikeouts. Um, obviously on on paper the numbers look pretty good. And they are, you know, not going to take anything away from him, but it it does come with a 359 bat pep, which is a little high, and he's not the kind of guy that is going to be able to maintain something like that, even in the minor leagues. He's kind of, I mean, I'm not going to say he's slow, but he's just kind of, eh. And right. just with the with the way that he his swing is, as we were talking about earlier, I don't think he's the kind of guy that, at least right now, is going to be able to, like, Okay, I want to go to the opposite field because I know it's a shitty fielder. I'm going to try to go the opposite way, or I'm pulling this because there's a short porch, or whatever, you know. Yeah, it's uh not looking so great. Yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be it's gonna be a recurring theme. Yeah, honestly. But yeah, I would give Parada like a C, I guess a C plus. The numbers are there, but. I don't think it's particularly sustainable. Also, he got hit five times. So that, that, that'll that help the old, old BP as well. Mm-hmm. Going Marcana mode. Mm-hmm. All right, number five prospect, Jet Williams. He appeared in 18 games in May, and he hit 175, 351, 228 with three doubles. Um, eight stolen bases, 14 walks, and 21 strikeouts. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him like a C plus. The 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 lack of power is is concerning. Um, I think yeah. we mentioned this like last week or the week before that the ground ball rate and the kind of infield fly rate is also disturbing. Um, but on the flip side, you know, he is getting on base, which is which is good. He does have an extremely low bat pip. He has a two fifty six bat pip, which 
is partly because of all those weak hits, but you know there is some luck involved there. So it it's it's weird. It's he's just too passive. Like that's what it is. Like just swing the bat more. I'm not concerned. I just it feels like something that's very easily addressed. That once again the Mets are failing to address. Now, Which are is going to be a recurring theme here. Right. Are, are we... I don't know. I mean, obviously, we're not professional baseball developmental people, but are we... Not short-sighted here, but are we just kind of like having tunnel vision because this is literally a very super niche thing within a super niche thing within a super niche thing that we're talking about, so we're kind of overreacting to some of these things. I don't know. I, I don't think so. Like, because we have a baseline based on what other teams are doing, right? And maybe it is unfair to compare the Mets to the Dodgers or the Rays, but the Reds, the Reds are better at this than the Mets. Like, <laughs> it's not just like the Mets aren't even a second tier team at this point. And well, I don't even mean it in terms of like on the grander scale. I mean, obviously the Mets are on the lower tier in that sense. I mean it as we're looking at basically two months of data. Is that really something to be too worried about, uh, or are we just kind of hyper focused on this? I, I that I don't know. I, I think, think it's. Go ahead, Lucas. I mean, I think it is because, uh, like. Guys for other teams come out of the their draft year better than they do with the Mets, right? Like, yep, that's very true. Like, you can make adjustments in that first off season, and the Mets seemingly are like, meh, nah, it's fine. <laughs> you do you. Yeah, it just feels like the Mets do things late. <clears throat> yeah, like if there's going to be a change with these guys, it'll be next year. But, like, just do it now. Like, I don't understand why you need to, like, wait. But they, they're slow about everything. They're slow about call-ups. They're slow about... um, They're, they're, they're slow about call-ups to the majors. They're slow about call-ups in between systems, in, in between levels in the minors. They're just... I don't know. They're a weird organization when it comes to this stuff. Maybe we still have, like, the uh, the Wilpon internet package, and it's a slow, slow connection. <laughs> It it just feels like a team who's not who needs to catch up and isn't there yet. Mm-hmm. So they're they're still behind and they're so far behind. All right, next up, Blade Tidwell, a number six prospect. He pitched in five games at High A, and he he had a five twenty three ERA in twenty point two innings, with twelve hits allowed. 18 walks and 30 strikeouts. I mean, the 30 strikeouts in 30 strikeouts in 20 innings, very good. 18 walks in 20 innings is very bad. I I don't think in a, in a year where we're down on a lot of the Mets prospects, I don't think there's anyone more down than Tidwell. I I agree. I don't. Mm. Yeah. He's just kind of whatever. I don't really know what the issue is because, I mean, again, I didn't see him this this past series. I'm sure I'll see him at some point. But he throws a lot of balls. Like that's really yeah. it. When his control like, sucks and his fastball shape sucks. So it's a bad combination of things. 
It's a bad organization to have those problems in. Yeah. A bad organization? It's good. Question mark? Yeah, just become a Luke Gregerson. Just do nothing but throw sliders. Like a reliever? I mean, it, it maybe, but also the Mets don't do that shit either. Like, no. <laughs> they don't do that to the guys either yet. They don't, what, they don't put their failed starters in the bullpen. What the hell do the Mets do? It seems like they just do not do anything. Yeah, I feel like they have one or two good prospects every year, and then those guys graduate, and then they get some more, or they trade them, and then they get, like, two more. Mm-hmm. Like, they, we went years talking about Beatty and Alvarez as the guys, and then they just didn't have anyone after that. Like, look, the system's worse. They, they You're not going to, every time, you're not going to replace a top two prospect in Alvarez, but Beatty's a top 20 prospect. Like, the Mets don't even have anyone close. No. Well, maybe this guy will be. Number seven, Alex Ramirez. He played in 25 games at high A, and he hit 222, 340, 344, five doubles, two home runs, um, 14 walks, and 27 strikeouts. And a little concerning, no stolen bases. He had one try, and he failed. And he's a guy that has, I'm not going to say a lot of value. It's tied to his legs, but he is a guy that will have some because he's not he a, should run. Yeah, he's not a slugger. He's not a pure slugger and he's not like a pure speed guy either. He's kind of, you know, one of those athletic guys that can do both okay. He's not hitting for extra bases. Um he's not stealing. And then he has a 2.22 average. He's he's not hitting either. Do yeah, I it's like so does everyone's he get, taking – he doesn't get an F if you were going to go yeah, there. Yeah, I, I was about to say, like, are we going to give him an F? Like, he might, yeah. That feels strong. It does. Just, maybe it isn't, but I don't know. It's hard because everyone's taking a step back. Like, yeah. The, the system as a whole has, basically, except there's a, probably a few people who we were saying we'll be up on. I'm sure we'll get to them in a little bit. But for the most part, it's just – the guys who you wanted to take a step forward happen, and here we are. It's another. It's the same conversation. I'm pretty sure D is a grade, right? Yeah, that's yeah, like so just passing. Mm. D minus is that such a thing? Sure. My my <laughs> college didn't have pluses, but we had minuses. Oh damn, that's all right. So maybe then Ramirez gets a D minus. Because he has a 340 OBP, so I mean that's he's getting on base at least decently. But I mean, when when the only thing you can say is like you're getting it's, on base decently, it's damning with faint praise. Yeah, it's like it's, you're you're vocal backing it. Good job. Yeah, but he's doing that against like he's not even doing it against great competition. Yeah, the competition he's repeating. Yeah, that's another thing too. Like he should, he should be, he should be better than what he's doing. Like it's just, there's no way around saying that. It's I mean, he's he's played in just about the same amount of games this year at high A that he did than he did last year, and he is definitely performing much worse. So, not good. Number eight, Mark Vientos. <clears throat> he spent, uh, he played 13 games at the AAA level, and then nine at the MLB level. So uh, with Syracuse, he hit 
275, 356, 608 with two doubles, five home runs, six walks, and 11 strikeouts. And then with the Mets in nine games, he hit 192, 222, 308 with one home run, five walks, and six strikeouts. In terms of the AAA performance, he, he gets like a, an A because, I mean, he was he was great at Syracuse. In terms of the Mets' performance, I'm mean, going to have to give him a D. Yeah, I mean, he it, looks like a quad-A player. Yeah, it, it's hard to, I mean, it's hard to, like, it's nine, it, it's 26 at-bats in total over the span of a month. So it's like a couple of games. It, He's playing hard. a lot more now, though. Yeah, I mean, and looks just he, as bad. He had like four games in a row recently, three. Yeah, they're playing him against righties. They're they they're exposing him to the major league baseball, and he's just he looks awful. That's really what it is. He looks terrible, and the Mets are not good enough right now to keep. Like like I I've seen a lot of people complain about his playing time, and even Beatty losing playing time and stuff, but like. The the Mets are thirty and thirty, and it's June. Like they they, they can't, <laughs> you know. What I mean, like if if Beatty starts to suck or if Viento sucks, then you can't play them. Like if the Mets were forty and twenty, then I'd be like, sure, give the kids a few, run, give them some run. You have a buffer, whatever. You have a playoff spot if you end up being the second wild card in the first. It's not the end of the world, whatever. Da da da. But the Mets don't have that buffer. They just don't. And these guys got to play and they got to hit when they play or they don't play like Alvarez did. Mm -hmm. And now Alvarez is the starting catcher. And I don't think I think he's I think Narvaez is going to play a lot more than Nito. But Narvaez is a pretty good player, so he should he shouldn't stay on the bench the whole time. But like. If Escobar's outperforming uh, Beatty or Vogelbach's outperforming Vientos, which he is, then what are you supposed to do? Yeah, it's 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 a hard it's hard to juggle player development and actually winning at the major league level. You could say that at the at the minor league level, it's just like, well, who cares if St. Lucie has a losing record if you know you see all these guys take step forwards. That's what really matters. With a winning team or a team that's expected to win, like the Mets, you know, you, you don't really have the luxury of doing that. I mean, I'm I'm down enough on this season that I basically would not bench Beatty for any anyone. Like, I don't care how bad he's hitting. He is what's going to... Let's put it another way, right? If you want the Mets to be a real contender the next couple of years, Brett Beatty needs to be good. Definitely and agree. Definitely. I'm agree. willing to ride that out. But overall, like in terms of playing Mauricio or Vienta, same, same goes for Alvarez, but... In terms of Vientos or uh, or Mauricio or, I mean, fuck, that's like the entire list of who they could call up. If those guys suck, then yeah, I'm, I'm not playing them anymore. Yeah, I mean, Alvarez is the catcher of the future, period. Beatty, you know, I mean, he, Alvarez is the catcher of the now. That is true. Yeah, yeah. Like, full stop. He just is. He's, Beatty, you know, ninety percent is the is the third baseman of the future, but and. I feel like they've been smart about the Beatty uh, stuff where they're he's not playing every day anymore, but it's most days anyway. And he's hitting fifth when he does play still. It's not like and Alvarez is hitting ninth or whatever. I, I, I don't really care about where they're hitting. It doesn't really matter. But like 
it's not like Beatty is like stuck to the bench now all of a sudden. Like they are still playing him a lot. Mm-hmm. It's just they they need to win games too. It's hard to you got to do both. Yep. And Beatty's given he, against righties, he's gonna play anyway. So and that's so you're gonna see eighty five percent of the time anyway, or whatever it is. So who cares? You could give Beatty his days off against some tough lefties when he's a rookie. I don't really care. You know. Mm-hmm. Right now, our number nine prospect, Ronnie Mauricio, 25 games at Syracuse, and he hit 367, 407, 541, with 14 doubles, one triple, one home run, uh, five stolen bases, six walks, and 11 strikeouts. I mean, got to give that an A. It's hard to, yep. it's hard to do better than <laughs> hitting 367. Feels really unfair. Uh, yeah, I mean, it feels unfair to give him. I'll give. I'd want to give him like a B plus or something, but um, like the, the one the, nitpick I would have is I would like to see more home more, more home run power. Mm-hmm. And he did hit one today, but I mean, one home run from Mauricio the entire month of May not optimal. Fourteen doubles is is good, but. I mean, we know that he is a guy that has the power to 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 drive the ball. You would like to see that a little more, but right. But I mean, that's I'd like to see more home runs instead of 14 doubles. Is is you know splitting hairs, I guess. And also, some of that is kind of unlucky, I guess. Like you could really wild the ball, and it's a double and not a home run, and you didn't really do anything to mm-hmm. cause that to happen, you know. But he should probably make his debut this year if they don't trade him. It's just now his ankle is going to keep him out for a little bit. But at the end of the day, they they probably are desperate enough. And I'm not a huge Mauricio fan. I know Lucas isn't. I don't think anyone really on this podcast loves him too much. But he deserves to get his shot, just like Vientos deserved it. Uh, when they called him up, he deserved to get called up. It's just now he's got to play or yeah. hit rather or play well, I guess is the best way to put it. Yep. All right, number 10, Dominic Hamill. And in the month of May, he made four starts and appeared in five games with Binghamton. And he has a 6.17 ERA and 23.1 innings with 29, 29 hits allowed, uh, two walks, and 29 strikeouts. What did you say his ERA was? 6.17. Jeez, I didn't realize he was that bad in May. Shit. I mean, on the bright side, he did he he walked two guys, which is very good for him, considering the wildness issues that he had, you know, in 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 April and has and has had traditionally, and he he did walk, uh, strike out over nine um, batters per per nine innings, but I don't know how to feel about him. Yeah, it, it's. I feel like a lot of the contact is hard contact. You know, four four home runs in 23.1 innings is not great. He feels like prime trade deadline beat to me. Oh, I hate and that. Then, I know. And like, then someone fixes him or something. Like that that that's the type of vibe he gives me where yes. teams who who see something in him are they, and are bad, go to the Mets, and the Mets get someone who helps them for now, and then we're annoyed in, like, three years. But also, he's just on the freaking zone, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Carson Seymour's been bad this exactly. year. Exactly. 
Exactly. Like, like something like that. He's better than he's probably more of a prospect than Seymour was, but even though I like Seymour a lot, like twenty twenty three Hamill was I don't think Seymour would have been as high as him, but at least I mean the annoying thing is that a lot of these guys fall into this category. I don't know that Mauricio does, but Vientos, I honestly think if Vientos goes to a place I could fix his swing and like, I don't know enough about swing mechanics to uh, have a good grasp of whether that's possible. But if a team figured out how to fix his swing, the underlying skill set isn't awful. And the Mets just have seemingly never tried to, make the change that would let him elevate the ball more and get get on fastballs a bit more. And I, I, I don't know. They, it feels like someone else that they're going to trade, and I think they should trade Vientos. And another team will maximize. Who was it that – was it was it Andres Jimenez that over the offseason he went to, like, the Barwis camp or something like that, and he went from having, like, okay bat speed to all of a sudden, like, phenomenal bat speed? Mm-hmm. Like that's what Vientos needs to do because his bat is just kind of slow. Oh, yeah, that's it's a it's a long swing and it's just kind of slow swing. That's I mean you you see it with any type of velo at all. He's just behind on all of it. It's like do wrist exercises. I don't know. He, what he needs to do is start swinging like a Babe Ruth bat <laughs> for like six months, and then once he goes back to a regular sized bat, all of a sudden everything just feels like 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 a twig. That's that that's although I could actually see the Mets saying that to him. That could be like viable advice from this organizational development group. All right. Uh next up is Calvin Ziegler, but he's hurt. So we'll move on to number twelve, Mike Vassell. And in four starts at the double A level in May, he has a two fifty two ERA in twenty five innings with fourteen hits allowed, four walks, and twenty one strikeouts. Um, as you know, we mentioned him before, he had a good start today, uh, in June. Um, one of the few bright spots right now, I think he gets a solid B plus. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's their best pitching prospect now. Yeah. Have we gotten any detail on the injury, like specifics? Like I still have it. I think he's pitching again. Okay. There's just something with his hand, but he missed right. a week. He basically missed last week and then came back at the end of this week and that's a geez. weird one yeah maybe it was that's just like a blister or something yeah, but I mean, dude, why wouldn't to, you just tell us that well i mean that happened to tyler stewart i think three weeks ago mm-hmm. i was watching the game and you could you know he was mentioning his finger you could see him kind of like rubbing his his pointer finger his middle finger whatever it was and then he left and he was no updates from from anybody. He was never put on the disabled list or anything like that. So, and then he came back. You know, uh, after missing a start, he came back and, and he was fine. So, I don't know if they really announced minor things like that. And he he pitched today, and he threw five innings and gave up one hit, one run, and struck out six. So mm-hmm. he was good. He was fine. So whatever it was, he was fine. Oh, apparently uh, Mike Mayer said it was a back issue. Huh. Mm, Okay. Who among us? Yeah, who hasn't had a back issue? (laughs) Next up is 
number 13, Stanley Consuegra, who was recently put on the disabled list for Brooklyn um, in 19 games. With them, he hit... 222, 250, 361, with five doubles, one homer, one triple, one stolen base, uh, three walks, and 22 strikeouts. Not not a good month. I'm going to have to give him a C minus, maybe even a D. Sure. Still pretty pleased with this season overall, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Um, he had a very hot April. I mean, and, and now kind of a really bad May, so it kind of balances out or whatever, but still 22. You still like the underlying tools and everything like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're not like superstar level, but it's workable. Number 14, Jacob Raymer. Um, in 20 games at St. Lucie. He hit 203, 309, 304, with one double, two home runs, two stolen bases, nine walks, and 20 strikeouts. Uh, I will say I've noticed over the last couple of reports I've done that he seems to be lifting the ball a bit more. That's good. That's what we want. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. This this is a depressing exercise. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. Oh, man. Yeah, they're all just so... Again, again, like, we... To peek behind the curtain a little bit, I recapped the Mets game today. And Lucas asked me how it was, and I was like, boring. And that's what this is. It's boring. Because there's just nothing to talk about. Like... All these guys have done the same regressions. If they've been in the organization for a while, all of them done the same thing. They all took a step forward last year and took a step back, except Mike Vassell. That's the only one. And he should probably be in the majors by now, because who knows when he's going to get hurt? Because he get he got hurt a lot in his in his career, and he's a pitcher. It's different than a hitter. But it's either they've all taken setbacks, or like Jet Williams and Reimer just love hitting the ball on the ground because they're 19 year olds and they've just played their first professional baseball games, and they got to learn differently and maybe they will or maybe they won't and we'll see but right now it's just like bro please like i just want to hear steve be like he hit 350 this month and i could be like oh baby but that's well, not i got i was about to say i got a surprise for you uh, no i don't i'm sorry <laughs> that's not coming well maybe these next couple of guys will help um joel diaz he didn't play so we have no update there Matthew Allen, he didn't play either. No updates there. So no bad news. Matthew Allen, sad. Mm. Still liked the draft decision, just didn't work out. I mean, guy got hurt is what it is. It's hard for me to get super mad. It would have been... I don't know that we've ever seen that done with a prep hitter. I'm trying to think if we have. Because the Rangers kind of... You know, did did something in this vein with Brock Porter this past draft. Mm-hmm. Um, I really can't recall a team that went as all in on a prep hitter 
because maybe it's just not as easy to do, uh, not as easy to convince them to sign as the pitchers because of the injury issues. I'd have to do some research into that, but I don't know. I also feel like the pitchers have more of, there's more of a ceiling. Like, Mm -hmm. there's more of like uh, a ceiling with a a prep pitcher than a prep hitter. There's a lot more work you have to do with a prep hitter. And you just kind of take one in like the fourth round anyway and Mm -hmm. fix them in a way that makes it workable. But a pitcher... If the dude has the stuff, like, you could teach stuff to an extent, but, like, Matthew Allen was ahead of the class. Like, you saw it when he pitched. A yep. healthy Matt Allen would have, was, like, fly up way ahead of anything the you would have gotten from another prep arm at that time. Mm-hmm. Where I don't, I don't really feel like a prep hitter would do that. Because they're either gone. If they're special like that, they're gone in the first five picks anyway. <laughs> or ten or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. And I believe there were some extenuating circumstances, or at least that was mm-hmm. the rumor with Allen. So, anyway, it sucks. I wish he was yep. healthy. This shit happens. Well, speaking of sucking, we have oh, number no. 17 prospect Jose Budo. Uh, he played. He appeared in one game at the major league level. Um, he gave up a run over 2.1 innings. That's whatever. I mean, it's literally one game. Uh, but at AAA, he started four games. And in 15 innings, he has a 1080, 1080 ERA, gave up 21 hits, he walked nine, and he struck out 14. I know he got lit up in one game. There was yeah. like some crazy game Binghamton played. Yeah. Where it was like 15-12 or something, and he started that. I mean, I feel like Binghamton did a lot of that. But I remember Syracuse. that one specifically. Oh, yeah, sorry, Syracuse. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I remember that one specifically where it was like some crazy, crazy score. And he started, and I was like, oh, dear. <laughs> oh, no. At least the bullpen couldn't blow it in that kind of game. Oh, don't get me started on the Syracuse <laughs> Oh, bullpen, my God, yeah. Please. Please. I do not need to go on another rant about the Syracuse bullpen. I mean, I could, but I don't think I need to. No. We're going to send Lucas to the Shadow Realm talking about the Syracuse <laughs> bullpen. I'm going to have to give uh, Budo an F here. I, I'm a, I, I mean, I, I was a Budo hater, basically. Hater. Um, not a fan for a long time. And then I was actually optimistic this year because that slider I thought looked good in spring. Like it seemed like he had finally added a, a meaningful secondary or, I mean, but he had the change up. It's weird. It feels like, like, it feels like you can't be a two pitch pitcher if it's just the change up. Like you need that break. It felt like he finally had a breaking ball and it, it just hasn't worked out. Yeah. And also AAA is a, is like, a danger. It's like Thunderdome down there. Like, I don't know what's going on. It is a silly place. <laughs> like, like Luis Guillorme's hitting opposite field home runs. It's, that I don't know what's crazy. <laughs> like, what I don't know what's happening. I don't know he what's happening. Hit an opposite field home run. Really? Luis Guillorme does when, that for I wonder when the time. last time he hit, hit a straight up opposite field home run. Uh, never would be my guess. Probably. Number 18, Lionel Ovias, and he pitched in four games with St. Louis. He started three of them. And over 10.2 innings, he has a 9.28 ERA. He's allowed 10 hits. He walked 12, and he struck out 12. His last start was really good, though. Yes, he that was in June, so we will... Oh, it was in June. Never mind. Sorry. Yes, Spoiler we'll alert. Consider that next year. In a month from now, you could bring that up, so just kind of pocket it for now. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, he had a rough. I mean, you really can't give him anything. It's an yeah, F. It was bad. Yeah. Got lit up a bunch. Mm-hmm. Number 19, Bryce Montes de Oka. He is unfortunately hurt. Number 20, um, Jesus Baez. He has not played yet, but presumably will play, you know, soon because the DSL season is starting. And we haven't heard anything about any catastrophic injuries from him, so knock on wood. Number 21, Junior Santos. And he started five games with Binghamton. And in 25.2 innings, he has a 631 ERA with 32 hits allowed, 13 walks, and 15 strikeouts. Also, got to give him an F. Yeah. There's no positives, really, to take out here. Junior Santos bad, you say? I yeah. feel like he's the guy I have the most prospect fatigue with. Yeah, he's... he's it, been... it feels like a decade of talking about him just not being good. And I'm just like, oh, it's you. You chose him to push, and I don't know. What? Well, that is the wildest thing to me. Yes, yes, we're conservative with all our prospects except, except Junior Santos, who has literally never been elite. Has he literally ever been a league average pitcher at any level? Junior, probably at Kingsport. I would. Guess. I think early on he was yeah. like somewhere really early he was. Which probably caused them to do this. Like he probably popped real hard somewhere. When but he was the thing young, is, young. even even in his first, I don't want to. I don't know if he pitched in the DSL off the top of my head, but I know when he pitched at Kingsport, he was like 17. So they were pushing him even then. Yeah, it's like it. Honestly, it feels like they picked his name out of a hat, and they were like, "All right, we they need to pick have. someone." <laughs> they might have. Oh. Yeah, Fairgrass does not give me ERA minus back in 2018, but okay, he had a 2.8 ERA. So literally in 2018, he was an yeah. above league average starter, and since then, anyone want to guess uh, Junior Santos's lowest ERA since 2018? 430. Since 2018, I'm going to say 558. 447 last year. Oh, look at me. That's his best ERA since 2018. Is that good? No. He's another guy who they're going to he's going to be like a minor league free agent and then the Rays will teach him some pitch and I'm going to be like you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> it feel, like it feels so blase to say but also like I fully expect them to turn Robert Stevenson into a relief ace now which is I know like like, <laughs> like what? And they traded like a first round pick for him I think. For who? A first round pick for Robert Stevenson like I'm oh, the uh, Alika Alika Williams, right? Yeah, he was a first round pick, right? Am I making that up? Was he? Or a high pick or something? Am I making that up? Uh, he was a CBA pick. You're right, the 37th yeah. overall, so competitive mm. balance pick. Yeah, because the Rays just never. Why don't the Rays draft well at the top? It does not make any sense. The Mets. It might be a little up, random. Like, if you could combine the Mets' first-round draft skills with the Rays' the rest of the draft skills, <laughs> you'd win every World Series. Anyway. Oh, They're also won. really good at being able to just, like, let it go. Yes. Like, if someone sucks. If, if, if they don't think someone's good, they're very good at being like, all right, well, that didn't work. See you later. Yeah. No, no sunk cost fallacy here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, number 22, Willie Fanias. He has not played. 
will play in a couple of days and DSL starts. Number 23, Eric Orzi. And he has appeared in seven games for Syracuse in the month of May, pitched 12 innings, and he has a nine ERA. He gave up 21 hits, he walked six, and he struck out 17. Uh, I'll give him this a D, a D maybe. Sure. I mean, it doesn't seem a terrible enough to get a true F because he had a fi- he had a five fourteen BAPIP, so that really sucks. But like he does that all the time now. But so yeah, I mean the thing is he's giving up a, a shit ton of fly balls. He is a for the month, and obviously this is like small sample size, so it's always kind of kind of be a little wonky. But thirty eight percent ground ball rate, sixty two percent fly ball rate. And he didn't give up really too many home runs, only two. So That is kind of strange. That yeah. is very odd. Just a lot of great Syracuse defense, I guess. That's why you said that's why you gotta send Louis Guarme down to uh bolster the triple A defense. <laughs> it, it it's a galaxy brain to bolster the triple A defense to make the guys more tradable uh-huh. <laughs> You heard it here first, folks. Number 24, Simon Wan, has not played, will play in a few days. And last but not least is number 25, William Lugo. And in 23 games at St. Lucie, and he recently got promoted to um, Brooklyn. But in 23 games with St. Lucie, he hit 188, 290, 275. Um, He had one double, one triple, one home run, two stolen bases, 10 walks, and 31 strikeouts. Uh, sure. That's in that's yes. a D minus. I'll give him an F. I don't know. Seems fair. I have, I have to say, though, I saw him, you know, the other day. Bro- I, I I like him. He's Yeah, I don't think he's actually as bad as the numbers. He like, looks like a... He looks like if, if some adjustments were made or whatever, he looks like he could be a physical beast. Like Oh, how, how do you mean? I'm curious. I don't know. He like he just looks like Adrian Beltre to me. He just looks like he can shit. He he can hit the ball like a shit ton. And like he just he's like a strong kid. Yeah, yeah. That's not, not I feel like big, like bulky, big, like yeah. But big, like athletic, strong, big. He's probably a guy who I could pick, who I would pick rather, if we're talking about. Guys who could rise up the ranks if in the rest of the season type guy. It would be someone like him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he will, but I'm saying if I have to pick someone yeah, with yeah, like um, a DSL guy playing or getting promoted to the States for the first time, if they do play in the DSL for a little bit, it would be him. Like he would be the guy. I have a fun question now since we that's the last guy in the top 25, right? Mm-hmm. Where would you put Matt Rudick? Probably in the teens somewhere. Uh, we... I don't know if he could actually hit, but the approach is legit. So we're we're eliminating. Are we taking into account the guys that are gonna like? No, no, no. Just the, for the sake of sake of keeping this simple, like off that top twenty-five, where are you sliding Rudick in? Is it? Yeah. I mean, well, I can. Is it above Jesus Baez at 20? Mm. I would say probably 15 to 20. Yeah. I would Maybe do, at the end of that. Like I 19. would do 20 to 25. 
So it's kind of the same. Well, you yeah. guys are lower than I am. I'm, I'd put him up almost closer to 10. You you put him in 10 to 15? Uh, yeah. I mean, I could... Could I sustain an argument to put him in the top 10? No, I don't think I could. Uh, that's a stretch, I think, even if you yeah. like him. But. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's uh, he certainly jumped a lot of these dudes, and I think uh, Jose Peroza probably has jumped a couple of them as well. Yeah, he should he should be on the list too. If we yeah. if we would do like a mid season mm. top twenty five, I think he makes the list. Steep sigh from Steve. <laughs> it's real bad at the at the end of it. Like I, Matt that's... Allen is not a top twenty five prospect. He doesn't play, he hasn't played in two years. You know, I mean, and there's just no evidence that he's anywhere close to coming back. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, if if now you're taking like all the, you know, all the guys at the front of the list that are going to be graduated off, if you just eliminate the guys that are obviously injured and will not be playing, if you take off the guys that were kind of borderline to begin with and, and have regressed and so now they're gone, there's definitely room for the hot hands right now. Yeah, exactly. And that's. They haven't drafted just, yet, so they haven't added anyone. Yeah, I just don't know, like, a, a Rudick in a top 10 or, or 10 to 15. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's why I think he's 15 to 20, because I think that that swath of guys, like, it's like Junior Santos and stuff, like we were saying, like, eh, you can put Matt Rudick there. Who cares? You know? He's, yeah, yeah. It's just... he's, his approach, I think, is legitimate. I just don't know how good of a hitter he actually is. I'm talking about bats to ball stuff. Right. But you can't argue with his approach, and that will that will make him an interesting prospect regardless in the system. Interesting in terms of, hey, look, this guy's doing stuff interesting. Not so much as it's a different breed of interesting than some other organizations. Yeah, I mean, he's he has a, a for, for whatever it matters, he has a proven college track record. He... Was injured last season, so you can kind of take the numbers that he put up in Brooklyn last year and throw them out or put an asterisk or whatever because he was injured and playing compromised. He did make legitimate mechanical changes that have helped him, obviously. And even coming out of the draft, he was a guy that had a good approach and could potentially unlock some additional power, which he which he has, so there is there is a lot to like. It's just, I don't know. He definitely would be on the list, though. Perosa, too, both of them, in the same-ish area. Yeah. At least, at least Rudick has a lot more defensive value as well, like secondary soft skills, you know, he's an okay outfielder and can play center field he has a bit of speed Peroza he's a big he's, round boy he is <laughs> he's like Francis is, is he how tall is Peroza is he like Francisco Alvarez shaped I want to say he's like 6'1 240 he's a little that. taller than Alvarez oh, okay he's 6'1 yeah. you're right why yeah. did I think he was like 5'10 he gives that vibe, that's why. Okay. Proportion, you know, it's the proportion. He's as wide as he is tall. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never really liked Jose Perros' defense. He, he plays third base. He's okay at third base, which I guess is good in and of itself. And I know he's gotten a bit of time at second, and I want to say he might have even gotten some time at shortstop as a professional. That's a frightening but thought. That's hilarious. I, I don't know, but 
There's kind I of first baseman's meant to whatever. I think he's played first. Yeah. But yeah. I'm almost certain he has. But I mean, in terms of like, he's his ceiling is at best utility guy. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But that at the end of the day, like when you're at a back uh, prospect list, you know, back end of the 25, whatever, those are the kind of guys. Especially in a bad organization right now. Yeah. Are, uh prospect wise. Yep. Levers, utility, infielders, reserve outfielders, whatever. Those are the kinds of names. Yeah. Well, hopefully things get better in June. <laughs> I don't know how likely that is to happen, but... Let's have a good draft, please. We can wish. That's in July. I know, but still, like... Mm. That's that's well, where the that's where the stuff is coming from. The DSL guys, if they if any of them pop, and if any draft, if they do anything cool with the draft, that's yep. that's how this gets better. It doesn't get better in June, really, but no. All right. Well, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from Complex to Queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at KenLavin91. Thomas is at SadMetSeason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, rate and review. And, of course, we thank you for listening. And as a reminder, we are Patreon-based now. So if you like our podcast, if you like the discussions, if you like any of the other podcasts in the Home Run Apple Network, you could subscribe for just $5 a month. And you'll get extra stuff like bonus episodes, exclusive content, and all that good stuff. Ken so, has a son that he needs to provide for. Yeah. Uh-huh. Help like, like this episode so that Ken's new dog can eat tonight. Yes, please. Thanks, we will guys. Be- <laughs> <laughs> we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.